It's Amber Bradley, your host for the unscripted side of LP. It's Talk LP Podcast time. What's up, Talk LP Podcast fans? It's Amber Bradley back again with a podcast that you are going to enjoy on this lively and very critical topic. Okay, Frank Patterson, what's up? Director of Corporate Security Investigations and ORC for Kroger. How are you? Hey, I'm good, Amber. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We had to. I had to. I wanted to, but we had to because your presentation at Apex was off the charts. Everyone loved it. Um, talking about, oh man, well, I should just, I should actually let you expand on what you do for Kroger. And then we'll go into what your presentation was because we want to get a little, dive a little deeper in it um, sure. today. I think it would be awesome. So tell tell everybody what you're responsible for at Kroger and then we'll get into it. Sure. Well, and, and again, thanks for having me. I'm humbled by by those remarks. I'm glad people found it enjoyable. Um, and I, I joke when you read my title to to your listeners, right? I'm the director of corporate security investigations and organized retail crime. I tell people there's a reason I don't have business cards because they would they would have to go on those checks that they give yeah. golfers after they read a tournament. Uh, <laughs> but I, I essentially have the the criminal matters for the company, so violence prevention, things of that nature. Um, you can break my team into say five buckets. You've got organized retail crime, which you know goes without saying. Everybody knows what that is, but we've got a a team dedicated across the country to to disrupt and dismantle those organizations. So full time team for that. Uh, we've also got major crimes response. So you think about the worst of the worst crimes that happen out there. Uh, we've got people that are dedicated to to responding to those. Uh, we also manage executive protection for the company, special events, uh, and active assailant response. So you won't hear me call it active shooter. It's an, an active assailant. Uh, and then uh, most recently, and what I presented on uh, at at uh, the, the the conference. Uh, was threat assessment and management. And I'm happy to, you know, dive deeper into that today because, you know, that can sound like a really scientific term and there's there's a whole lot that goes into it. But yeah, excited to talk about it some more. Yeah, so we were just talking off camera about we are avid readers, reading all kinds of books. Um, I think the industry itself has been under an evolution, right? With this whole active assailant topic because- I learned recently, um, you may have already known this with your background, which is extensive, which we'll get into, um, that it's a myth that people just snap, right? I mean, so I was reading this book called uh, Risks Within with um, Dr. McElhaney, and, you know, he kind of walked through why that, why violence is a process, not an event. And it was, it's eye-opening, right? So obviously being an awareness provider and trainer at heart it you have to start educating your frontline people on these behaviors of concern right the fbi coined the term i think there was a fight over who coined the term mm -hmm. but you know <laughs> to understand these behaviors of concern right so talk to us about when you talk about threat assessment you know understanding that this is a complicated situation that mm -hmm. when you think about active assailant when companies say there's nothing we can do about that. It's just a random luck of the draw, whether you're the one like, like, tell us your perspective on that, the evolution. I know this is like a seven part question, but you know, <laughs> like what your, what your yeah. charter is and how it came about and your perspective. And I'm sure I'll interrupt you with follow-ups. 
Good. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to need you to. Uh, but it, and it's a, it's a great question. It's it is multi layered, uh, but I'll go back to the beginning first. And you're right. It's it's very very seldom right. People just snap and commit an act of violence. That's your, uh, you know, lower level, you know, reactive violence where somebody gets upset at something that you said, or you think about like a road rage incident. Somebody cuts you off and you get upset and 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 you 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 resort to an act of violence. Not not you, right? But you know, just people and uh, yeah. I'm not asking questions uh, here. You're, you're out of my you're you're out of my jurisdiction anyway. Um, but you know that that's where people just you know react. It's it's not that planned predatory violence that's that's long thought out. And you're, you're absolutely right. You know it's 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 a complicated problem, but really it's it's easy. It's it's easy so easy we make it complicated. And you, you think about somebody who is, is on a pathway to violence and as threat assessment professionals, the pathway to violence, which actually comes from a, a, a book from some fantastic scholars in the field, Drs. Calhoun and Weston, in a book that they wrote, but it, it maps out the progression, the, the literal pathway to a violent targeted attack that people often follow. And it, it starts in the same place. There's something someone's upset about, a grievance. They've been wronged, either perceived or actual. And I don't want to get you know too scientific, right? But if you think about it, they start with 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 that grievance, and they they escalate along this path. And there are steps along the way that they escalate, which ultimately culminates in a targeted attack. And it it may not be you know an active assailant, it may not be a a, a major event, but it could be a, a shooting, or it could be an assault, or some other form of violence. And the the trick here is you you can you can intervene at any point along this pathway ideally immediately and you can redirect someone and you can take them off of this pathway just because someone's walking a pathway to violence does not mean they're going to culminate it's not going to culminate in an attack and and that's what we have to understand it's you know you hear like what did it start after 911 new york city see something say something well yeah absolutely see something say something do something the, the power of hello, it's okay to ask somebody, hey, are, are you okay? How you doing? Like your baseline behavior is here. And, and if you're you're behaving in a way that's very different or concerning to others, or you know, you're talking about things that are inappropriate in the workplace, you're talking about firearms, um, that's where you have to recognize the warning signs because, you know, like you said, Dr. McElhaney says, people don't just snap. You know, we we see it in the news. And we we go back after these active assailant events, and 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 I'm not going to say the the assailant's name, but the the one that we we just saw in the news in in Maine just last week, right? Um, you, you see all the things that that person was doing and saying, and all the warning signs that they were exhibiting, that you knew that something was going to happen. And and I'm again, I'm not going to you know armchair quarterback a response, but. It's just illustrative to show that these things don't just happen out of thin air. It's not you don't just wake up one day and decide, yes, I'm going to be an active assailant. It's it's a build. Yeah. And in that build, too, I mean, aren't they finding which supports your your point that there is almost all the time leakage of a plan, yes. right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's it's great that you use that term leakage, right? That's an industry term that's used uh, universally by by threat assessors. And it's just it's it could be, you know, direct leakage, somebody telling someone else, hey, don't go to school tomorrow uh, because I'm going to I'm going to do this. Or, you know, uh, if if they take away my vacation, they'll be sorry things like that. It could be veiled, but it's it's either in person or it could be online. We've seen that with with assailants, especially, you know, generationally speaking, as as technology improves, some of these assailants, you'll see that 
they're using different apps, different social media platforms to put things out because they, they almost want to be stopped. In some cases they do, they want you to stop them. And, and let me me ask you really quick, is that because in your expertise that this individual knows that this plan will most likely ultimately end with them dying? I mean, that's the whole, like, I mean, if it's almost like the cry for help scenario, right? It's like, they know they're about to do something that's probably going to end in their death. I mean, is that, do they know the motivation of the leakage? It, it could be that. Yes. Yeah. I think each situation is different, but oftentimes, yes, that's, that's it. Yeah. So, so knowing that this is like an education thing, right. And, mm-hmm. and, it, and I've talked to some experts who are like, oh, people have been doing this Steve's types of threat assessment um, boards for years and forever. And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't, because I hadn't heard of it. Right. And this is our industry, mm-hmm. us prevention, asset protection, like we're protecting that people assets of the company. Right. So, you know, curious, like, um, is this like, this is something that if people are listening, it's like, oh, Hey, this is relatively new. And then you got to start figuring out how to set mm-hmm. it up. Yeah, so I I won't say it's it's new. I will say it's become much more prevalent in 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 recent years. It's um, you know I I tell people I had uh, an awakening. Um, so I was a, a police officer for thirteen years, uh, and a handful of other things before landing here at Kroger, and including uh, a I, corporal in the Marine uh, Corps. The, is- the backbone, the backbone of the Corps, by the way, the corporals are uh, yes. Um, <laughs> that's a pretty, um, that's pretty impressive. So I had to throw that in there. I, I, I appreciate it very much. Um, but yeah, it, it's, I had an awakening and I realized like, wow, this, this stuff is this workplace violence stuff. It's, it's happening everywhere. And all the stops along the way that I've, I've made in corporate security gigs in, in big corporate America, I've, I've picked more of it up. And I started to learn of organizations like the association of threat assessment professionals, and a, a wonderful industry network to, to to get hooked up with. And for any of the listeners out there that are interested, I'm happy to help make that connection. But that's a group that's, you know, dedicated to, to preventing targeted violence. And, you know, I learned almost everything through them uh, in one form or fashion. And then, you know, on the job, of course. But yeah, it's it's definitely become much more prevalent as we we see the, you know, active assailant numbers, you know, increase and um, I, I will say, I don't want to go too far off into a tangent, but I, I think of the media contagion. And I think I talked about this in my, my presentation where, you know, you, you, we, we, we in the media, it almost glorifies the inadvertently, of course, what's taking place. Like this last shooting that took place in Maine, uh, there was a, a news article where they talked about this is the deadliest shooting, you know, so far this year. Well, you know, the next assailant is out there seeing this in the news over and over and over again. And they see what this deadliest shooting body count is. And they think, well, I could, you know, I can top that, which is why that we typically see, you know, one to two more uh, within 13 to 14 days after uh, an active assailant makes national news like we did. And there's, you know, speculation around uh i don't know if you saw the story about glenwood springs colorado at the amusement park where they they found yes yes we don't know what that uh, that you know assailants uh intentions were yet but yeah that it 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 looks likely that they were poised for an attack now we'll wait and see what the investigation unfolds right but that was six days after 
what took place nationally. So yeah, the media contagion think, is a real though, thing. Really quick. Do you think that if, and the media would never agree to this because they know that this kind of information sells their time. People want to know because everyone's terrified of this happening to them, right? So you, do you think that if they just stopped covering it, this would completely go away? I don't think so. Not completely. Uh, I, I I don't think that that would be the case. But that you know there there are campaigns out there, and and I don't know exactly what their names are, but it's um, I think don't don't name them or don't say their name. There's campaigns out there that are uh, dedicated towards not glor glorifying yeah. or you know. Uh, which is, and you're starting to see a lot of the media will will do a very good job with that, and and law enforcement is really good in terms of of not referencing the assailant by name, uh, and and they you know, are, mentioning the, their name. This news yeah. drives me nuts. I got to tell you, so the 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 recent one in Nashville, right, mm -hmm. at the yeah. private school, um, you know, that's literally was I don't know, 15 minutes from where my daughter had gone to private school. And I mean, it, it rocked us, right? Because it was so sure. close to home, right? So, and obviously she, she had ties to the school, um, but they, I'm telling you, they played her coming into that school mm -hmm. over and over, like the, from the, the cameras in the school, you know? Yeah. And you want to say, what are you doing? You know, because that's, with she was like i mean the whole thing right over and over and over and that that's anyway yeah. to your point it's like making me crazy well and that Why and that's part that? of it right it's it's make they it should be made about the victims and you know you you have a, a duty to inform you know folks about you know the news and what took place uh and especially if the suspect is is still outstanding you've got to put their name and their picture out there like in maine uh but after that right like let's let's stop uh, just giving that airtime to that person because the next active assailant is watching and seeing that. And if they're desiring notoriety and they want to be famous, that's a, a way for it to happen. And you could accelerate them on their plan. But, you know, they also, you know, you'll hear the media sometimes use terms uh, like uh, they left behind a manifesto and it, it's not a manifesto, right? Like they're not an important figure or, 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 or political uh, appointee or electee that, uh, has a, a manifesto that's worthy of reading. They left behind a journal. And it's just these little terms that we can use and change to take the power away from what they do are, are very important. Yeah, totally agree. Um, so when you look at like the setup of how Kroger goes about this, and obviously you probably can't share the, the complete ins and outs, but of the things that you could share of people going, okay, what does that exactly look like? Like, is there 20 people? Is it two people? I mean, uh, is, is there some best practice for how many people? Because obviously Kroger's a pretty big company. You guys have a lot of mm -hmm. employees and obviously comes with that a lot of different scenarios. So tell us a little bit about the setup. Sure. Yeah. So first off, I'm I'm really proud of this team. It's our behavioral risk intervention team. And it's it's new. It's It's been in existence for uh, just about a year now, formally. Uh, and, you know, it's it's something that our organized retail crime managers and asset protection managers across the company were were doing, you know, for years, right? They were managing, you know, threats or concerning behavior, but we've we've become very dedicated towards it. And we now have a full-time team, which again, I'm so proud of. And it's it's led by uh, uh, a PhD, a forensic psychologist, Dr. Matthew Talbot. 
who is really a, a, a titan in our industry. And I'm definitely going to introduce you to, to him as well. But he leads a team of, uh, we'll, we'll call it a handful of uh, dedicated professional threat managers. Uh, and that's their discipline. That's what they do. They're not asset protection folks. They're not corporate security folks. They are, they are threat managers, and, and this is their professional discipline. And we've made that investment to help keep, you know, our associates, our customers safe uh, and, you know, understanding that we have to change with the times and, and, and this is what it takes to keep people safe. We're going to just one of our core values and we, we mean it. We're going to do it. And um, I will say, you know, there are a handful of, of other retailers that are out there with similar kinds of teams uh, and, and they're doing really great work, too. I just uh, I'm. I really think this team is is going to be the the best in class uh, with what I've seen them do so far in just one short year. Uh, it's it's truly astonishing. They're they're definitely making a difference and keeping people safe. So it's really this team trying to understand risk factor of a potential termination or you know if a loss prevention person has a certain case. I mean, I guess if I'm a listener, I'm kind of wondering like. There's obviously some process between, you know, your normal everyday guy that's, you know, I'm going to kill you. And they walk out and they're gone and you never see them again. Right. Versus, exactly. you know, something that is going to require this team's attention. Exactly right. So that's, you know, and I, I think I briefly touched on this maybe at the, the presentation, but, you know, there's lots of different types of violence out there, uh, but there there's two specific types that we, we will deal with. Right. The, uh, the effective violence, affective with an A, uh, you've got the, and that's what I was talking about, like with the road rage, you know, somebody is, is reactive, they're emotional, they're impulsive. It's, it's, it's an, an upstanding citizen who may have had a really bad day that comes into your store and they get, you know, some sort of, you know, they run into a problem, like the, what, what they came in to buy was, was out of stock or they had to wait in a really long line, but they've got all these other things happening in their life that's making them upset and they make that horrible comment that they really didn't mean. They say something terrible that they're going to do something and they don't mean it. They don't have the means to do it. They're not going to do it. And they walk out and they leave. Is that a case for a threat assessment professional? No, that's not what they're there for. Uh, predatory violence is what a threat assessment professional is 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 geared towards. And that's, you know, that's that's planned. That's a planned attack. That's emotionless. It's devoid of emotion. Uh, and it's purposeful. It's somebody who is moving along that pathway to violence and has a dedicated mission. It's not somebody who just gets upset and says something dumb. It's somebody who maybe makes a veiled comment and over time it it builds and it builds and it builds. And those are the warning behaviors that that we look for is people that are on that pathway of predatory violence. Yeah, it's um, really interesting because you think about, as I mentioned at the top of this, you know, I wouldn't think there's any organization on the planet that could have, you know, outnumbering a team of these people from your, per your associate ratio, right? It's like, okay, you know, that you have yeah. to have some cutoff of some matrix to understand behavior, you know, which is why it's so important to use awareness and training to make your frontline people understand Completely. what this is, right? I mean, because you, um, in that book from Dr. Michael Haney, when they talk about it's not like you or I, right, are in a sphere of people that are violent, right? I mm -hmm. mean, you know, you talk about different socioeconomic levels, like all of this stuff. But the point is, and I thought this was an incredible point that he made, was it's not about you, 
per se, right? Like when you go yeah. to a theater, let's say for a show, because now I'm always like, where are the exits? What would I do? You know, yeah. um, it's not about who's violent in your own sphere, right? I mean, it is everyone sitting around you, right? It's like, what do they have going on in their life? Right. I mean, you've got maybe some domestic violence issues you've got. And he went through some of these case studies that I'm assuming do you all do. Does your team like incorporate those types of issues, too? Because it's the guy that has the restraining order that's coming to the store, you know, because he's out of jail or whatever. Right. Well, I'm I'm really glad you asked that. And there's a couple of things there, Um, but it's you brought up a really good point and you, you can't. You can't tell what's going on with somebody just by looking at them. You you can't look at someone and know that they've got a sick child at home and or or they they've got a looming bankruptcy for the second time or if they lose this job they're going to lose their insurance. You can't you can't know that. And and people are are good at putting up a putting up a, a wall, right? They don't they don't want you to know something you're not going to know it. So we talk a lot about kindness and empathy especially in dealing with and managing threats and behaviors of concern. Because you can't, you may have heard me say this, but you can't terminate a threat. Uh, you, you can terminate a person who who made a threat, but you're not going to terminate that situation. You know, you're fired. Let's put a guard outside for a couple of days. We'll be good. That's not how it works. The threat assessment and management process works much differently. You have to identify a threat, you have to assess a threat, and then you ultimately have to manage it safely. And that's a process. And it takes people who are trained, to your point, we have to force multiply and we have to educate. You brought up a great point about your frontline leaders. Uh, those are the folks that are out there. They're out there every day. They're in the stores, They, they in, in, in your listeners' organizations, right? They're, they're out there. They see what's going on. They know their people. They should, right? As a good leader, you have to know your people. You have to know what their baseline is and what's going on with them. So when they're above or below the baseline, you can have that conversation. Hey, how's it going? Are you all right? I, I've noticed this. Are you doing Okay. And you learn a lot through those things. And you can often intervene with somebody who could be potentially on that pathway to violence before it even gets to that point. And ultimately, you can redeem a lot of people because you can't terminate a threat. You can redeem them and get them well. Just like if, uh, you know, it's my job to, to you know, I don't know, I'm, I carry boxes all day long. That's my job. And I hurt my knee. Are you going to fire me because my knee's hurt? No, you're going to send me to rehab and I'm going to get my knee fixed by a doctor, and then you're going to check and make sure that my knee's fixed, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to continue carrying boxes. And, and, and that's what we ultimately aim to do for people that we can. If we can redeem you and, and bring you back healthy, we're going to do that. And that's, Amber, really, that's how we fix this, this cycle of, of active assailants, because you see isolationism. You know, People are just kind of cast away. You know, it's not my problem. Let's move it, move it down here. They're not going to bother us. And and ultimately, that's I think the catch twenty two that it keeps coming back around because of that because of that. So we're trying to take a different approach. Yeah, those are phenomenal points. Um, and so if I'm, you know, I'd love to play the advocate, right? Like the devil's advocate here. But if I'm a smaller company, right? And you're like, okay, mm-hmm. look, I'm I'm barely making it. I'm I've got one other guy than me. I got a small LP team. We also do risk. We also, you know, it's like the whole the whole and also thing. It's like, how, if our, if, if we're a smaller company and not a Kroger, like what steps do you, do you suggest people take? Because Mm -hmm. they know this is important, but maybe they just don't have the resources to 
dedicate or have a psychologist on staff, like all of these things, but they've got a CEO that says, if they stole from us, they're fired and get them out of here. You know what I mean? Like going up against maybe people who think it's all, well, just snap, nothing we can do kind of thing. Yeah. Well, it's, it's about education and and sometimes you got to educate up, right? You got to, you got to explain to them and show them uh, why those aren't the right decisions sometimes. And and I understand not everybody is maybe as, as, as fortunate as we are with the leadership we have, because we have, we have executive champions here that understand and believe in what we're doing and they believe in our people. Um, but what I would say, Amber, to that small team that's listening, that, that just is, you know, like, I, yeah, that's Kroger. They can, they've got an endless, you know, they can do that. Uh, is to leverage your your network and your outside resources. There are are plenty of of companies out there that that do this line of work, and I, I mean consultants and and folks that can can help you along the way. I think you mentioned one uh, earlier in the in the conversation, but there's a lot of folks out there, and if you leverage that network, especially through ATAP, that Association of Threat Assessment Professionals, you'll find people uh, who can help you, whether you're small, whether you're large, or you're somewhere in between, and they can work with you. The, the beauty that I found with, with this field, this, this smallish group, and it's growing, I, uh, thankfully, uh, the beauty that I found is I've, I've never had anybody turn me away. I've never had anybody turn me away for help. And I, in turn, will play, pay that forward. And, and I'll never turn anybody away. At the end of any of these presentations I do, my cell phone number goes on the last slide. And, and I've had people reach out to me. And if I can't help them, I put them in touch with someone who can, because this work is just too important for us to just operate in silos. That's, that's just not, not going to work. So lots of resources out there. And for your listeners, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm easy to find. Uh, there's, like I said, there's only one other Frank Patterson running around on the planet and he's 80 in Florida living his best life. So, uh, if you need anything, you know where to find me. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so I'm curious too, you know, a lot of people hear this stuff. I don't know if it's a lot, I don't know. I'm generalizing, but, um, and they think, well, look, I don't know if I agree with kind of coddling the person or maybe making sure they have this soft landing, which we've heard of before, right? I mean, if they've, they've done something terrible, if they're stolen from us, they're causing problems. Like how do, how are we supposed to, I heard this a bunch actually reward yeah. them by giving them, you know, paying them to leave or giving us soft landing. This is what they did, regardless of whatever they got going on in their head, they're out. And and we we can't afford a soft landing for all of the people that need fixing or redeeming or healing or, you know, look, everybody should be sitting on a therapist couch. I'm a big believer in that, right? Everybody's got something <laughs> to process. I don't care if you're Jan Brady and she, you know, the Brady's are messed up. Let's let's face it, right? So everybody's got something to process. So these people are like, look, how can we possibly afford this? What is your stance on that? And like, how do, how do you guys answer that type of um, yeah. response? Yeah, no, it's, a, it's a good question. It's a fair one, right? And it's, it's all about education. Uh, I will tell you that I'm a firm believer in soft landings. And it's that kindness and empathy that I talked about. Even the people that you may not think deserve kindness or empathy because they did something bad or said something bad, they may be the ones that deserve it the most. Uh, and and it's it's an investment when you think about it, right? If you've got somebody who tells you, well, I'm not going to pay for bad behavior. I'm not going to manage this person out with a soft landing. Well, you, you're probably going to pay for it one way or another, right? You've, you, you, you think about it as an investment in security. If, you're, if your ultimate goal is to safely manage or mitigate a threat, and if that means exiting someone out of your organization, 
to do that safely is the goal. And however you have to do that is however you have to do that. Because if you, you create this confrontational exit, you're not going to do any good for yourself. And as few and far between, especially in a smaller or mid-sized organization, as these situations may be, uh, it's it's going to be more cost effective for you to do it right the first time and safely manage someone out with a soft landing than it is to just take a hard line and then deal with the fallout from that, which who knows what it could be. You can't predict, right? Uh, but I, you know, I also, I also think about, um, I also think about the, uh, I just lost my train of thought. Um, I think I might've covered it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's almost like you would say it's kind of ego based when people said, look, you made a bad choice. You're out of here, you know, and, and, you know, not thinking yeah. a little more broadly about the impact of that, right. To the person, um, in a, in, that's a kind, you know, be a human way, but also to the company and the fact that, okay, mm -hmm. fine. Well, you know, how, how are you going to feel if they come back and commit an active assailant, uh, type of incident? And then you're talking to parents of the, your right. dead employees, then what? Yeah. And it, it, it came back to me, my, the thought that I lost there momentarily, you know, there, there are lots of ways that you can, you can manage someone out safely, right? If, if the business mm -hmm. decides that they, they want to move the person on, it's, it's not always paying somebody to, to lead. That's not how it, how it has to work. There's lots of things that you can do and you, ex extending, you know, maybe, you know, mental health care benefits for somebody relatively cost effective for a, a company to do, but it could be that goodwill that the person needed, you know, because, you know, like I said, you know, you can't, you can't just look at somebody and know what's happening in their life or in their background. And it's a, a life altering event for them to lose their job. And if you can help that person along the way and help them move on down the path uh, safely, that's, that's a win for everybody involved. So to me, it's an investment versus, you know, paying for, for bad behavior, which I've, I've heard before. Yeah. 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 It's um, I think it goes back to this, uh, the evolution of this topic, right? I mean, yes. People understanding and companies understanding that there's something you can do. Um, it doesn't always have to be some huge team or some, we're going to pay them for a year just to make sure they don't come back and are mad and all that kind of, all that kind of stuff. So, well, we might have to leave it there for now. However, um, and this is going to, this is totally self-serving Frank, but now that you know, it's like, <laughs> We are super passionate about keeping people safe, right? And, and part of our core business is training and awareness and it's educating these people on these behaviors of concern, right? I mean, like a per example that you stated was what is the baseline behavior, right? Susie's always laughing and jokey. And then over weeks, she's withdrawn and sad. And, and it's like, these are things that you can teach your associates to notice. That's part of your point. Yes. And it's, it's not to say just because, you know, Susie is sad uh, and she's normally happy that she is your next active assailant. That's, that's not what we teach in threat assessment management. What we teach is it's okay to talk to Susie and say, Hey, Susie, you know, you, I, I noticed you weren't, you, you didn't seem yourself. How, how's everything going? Are you, are you okay? And, and just something so simple as that could redirect somebody if they were to be on, on a pathway to violence. Yeah, it's almost like, and I always use this example, you know, I'm in the Atlanta airport and they say, we take a strong stance against human trafficking. If you see anything, say something. Here's the number. 
And to be honest with you, I don't know what human trafficking looks like, right? I don't, I I think, I guess I know, but I need a little education about what I'm looking for. And it's the exact same thing with your associates. It's like, you have to tell them just like run, hide, fight, right? It's behavior. It's like uh, muscle memory, right? With this, you have to tell them, hey, you know, maybe somebody's saying, well, I'm, I'm going to get him or he's, you know, this company's always out to get me or whatever it is. It's like, you don't, you have, you have to teach your employees what it looks like. The old days of just saying, call this hotline are over. Like you've got to help them understand what are they calling about? What does it look like? Right? Yeah. You, you, you said, you said it best when you said an evolution, you know, times have changed. We have to change with them. And, you know, I, I, Everywhere I go, I just, I don't like to hear, um, you know, that's just the way we've always done it. Well, you know, maybe that, maybe that wasn't the best way. We're going to, we're going to look and we're going to see if, if we need to evolve with the times. And I'm very thankful to be at a, at a company that's, you know, willing to support that. And uh, I hope your listeners, you know, are, are, are their interest is piqued by, by threat assessment and management and um, they want to learn more because I, I truly think this is, this is the way for us to, uh, prevent some of these these targeted attacks, some of these mass attacks that we're we're seeing in the news. There's something more that we can do, other than just you know offering good thoughts and and, and vibes. You know, there's there's things you can do. Yeah, and it's super um, relatively low cost from from a training and awareness perspective for sure. I mean, you're talking about like that versus investing in I don't know all to different types of facial recognition, license plate recognition, like all of that is important. Not saying it's not. Sure. If you think about some baseline things to do, looking at the training part is probably one of the most inexpensive yet cost-effective and, you know, right in their face every single day. That's just, that's why we're yeah. passionate about it. No, you're right. And this, I mean, this is a human discipline. This is, this is, uh, you know, this is about the the behavior and, you know, technology certainly has a place in preventing bad things from happening. Uh, but you, to your point, you know, training and educating people on what warning signs to warning behaviors, warning signs to look for, and then knowing what to do with that information once they have it is, is key. Yeah. Well, Frank, we're going to have you back so we can talk more about you. Although I think this is, right. a, this is a super important and relevant topic. So we all actually have a link to Frank's LinkedIn bio um, in the show notes. So that way you could hit him up on LinkedIn um, and contact him there. And then also, if you're interested in understanding more about training and awareness that my company provides, we'd love to talk to you to help break the cycle of active assailant. I mean, it is massively important. Um, I should say too, calibration, we have free school posters, Frank, on our website that awesome. if you, so for kids, you know, we have one for elementary school, we have one for middle school, one for high school. All you have to do is direct your high school to our website. There's printable, downloadable files for you there that you can, they can write in their 1-800 number to the poster. So it's free for schools. We did that after the um, active assailant in Orlando with that high school there. So we're just trying to do our part, but we appreciate people like you, Frank, spreading the message and at Kroger, trying to keep everybody safe, man. We appreciate your time. Likewise. Thank you so much, Amber. Thank you.